Good evening, and welcome to the Dr. Bill Lecture Series, brought to you by Ayers LA and the Braille Institute. This is the series of lectures where we inform you about vision impairment among infants and children and how you could enhance their vision by performing different exercises and using various visual aids. The topic of tonight's lecture is neurological vision impairment, cortical vision impairment, and cortical blindness. What parents need to know. Now, one of the things that many people are not aware of is the fact that the leading causes of legal blindness among children are related to conditions that have nothing to do with the eyes whatsoever. In other words, these are children who have healthy eyes, but they are not able to see normally because of abnormal function to the visual centers of the brain. Vision is a very complex process in which the eyes are merely receivers of light, and light enters the eyes and is converted into electrical signals that are then sent through the optic nerve and it then is connected to different regions of the brain. In fact, there are many different regions of the brain that are involved in the process of vision. If you are to feel the back of your head and you put both of the palms on the backs of your head, your palms are covering the region of the skull that houses what's called the occipital lobes of the brain. And we have a left brain and the right brain. And these occipital lobes of the brain are where vision is processed. Now, there are situations in which a child may be born, and for many different reasons, the occipital lobe of the brain is not processing this visual information normally. And as a result, these kids do not have normal vision. These are the kids where many times the parents are so, so disappointed that their newborn child doesn't make eye contact and look at them. Or maybe the parents are rotating a rattle and a drum and all of these very high colorful toys and the child doesn't even look towards it. The child looks away. And these child children are then evaluated by pediatric ophthalmologists or pediatric optometrists. And many times the eye doctors will tell the parents, you know, by looking inside the eyes of your child, your child's eyes are fine. I think that your child is able to see, but it might be slow in developing vision. And these kids often will go home with their parents and their vision does not develop normally. Parents often become very, very concerned. They may take these children to the pediatrician. And when the pediatrician looks at these kids and they notice that these children are not looking at him or her or they don't look at the faces of mom or dad, 
sometimes these kids are even thought to be autistic. Now, that really is something that is shocking to parents, and it is also extremely devastating. So this evening, we really want to educate all the parents, family members, and other professionals about why it is that so many children have these particular types of visual behaviors. The reason that they have these particular types of behaviors is that the occipital lobe of the brain is not functioning normally. The leading cause that the occipital lobe of the brain is not functioning normally is usually because of the lack of oxygen. Many children will have difficulties breathing shortly after birth. Other times, it may be that the child has suffered from asphyxia. Other times, it may be that a child has actually suffered from seizures, and these seizures alter the electrical activity within the occipital lobe of the brain, and these kids, as a result, do not see normally. These particular types of visual conditions are most often called neurological vision impairment because the cause of the vision impairment is related to the neurological function of the brain. In some cases, these children will be diagnosed as having cortical vision impairment. And this is to describe the fact that the visual cortex, which is there in the occipital lobe of the brain, it's not functioning normally. And as a result, these children do not have normal vision. And the last common diagnosis that these kids are often called is cortical blindness. Because of the abnormal function of the visual cortex, these kids are blind. Now, it's very interesting. When doctors make this particular type of diagnosis, they very often do not measure the levels of functional vision of the child. As doctors, we often can look at a child and we can see whether or not a child is making eye contact with us. We could rattle a toy, and we could see if a child is able to move the eyes and follow it. We could wiggle and wave our hand to see if a child has peripheral vision. But in many cases, because the doctor does not perform very thorough testing of an infant's functional vision, they mistakenly diagnose these children as being legally blind. Or sometimes they may even say that these children are totally blind. And this is really very, very devastating news. Can you imagine if you're a parent and you just have a healthy baby and now you have told that your child may be totally blind, 
or that your child may be autistic. And because your child is totally blind or autistic, this is why your child doesn't look at you. This type of diagnosis significantly affects how a child can bond with his or her parent. And there are many cases where the parents have difficulty even holding on to their children. They don't want to carry their child. They don't want to rock their child to sleep. They have difficulty feeding their child. And it's all because of this visual behavior where these kids are not looking at the mother or the father's eyes. Well, the good thing is that with these particular conditions, neurological vision impairment, cortical vision impairment, and cortical blindness, in many, many cases, even if a child has been given these diagnoses, these children do have vision. They are not totally blind, but they actually do have vision. The next really very important thing for parents to know is that the vision of children who have neurological vision impairment and cortical vision impairment, their vision can be improved. And there are things that mothers and fathers and family members can do to promote and stimulate the development of vision. And how is it that we know that? Because for the last 40 years, there have been doctors who have been studying this very, very carefully, and we now do see that children with this type of low vision can develop vision. There's a very, very famous pediatric ophthalmologist by the name of Dr. Christine Roman Lancy. And she has studied children with neurological vision impairment. And she has implemented different types of visual stimulation techniques. And in her studies, she has found that over 90% of the children who have been diagnosed with cortical vision impairment and neurological vision impairment, that their vision has improved within the first three years of life. So this is something that is tremendously, tremendously encouraging news. But one of the things that we do know is that there are not a lot of pediatric ophthalmologists who are as experienced in this particular area. So one of the things that we are doing is that we are providing doctors with continued education training, and we are also providing extensive training to teachers for the visually impaired and early intervention vision therapists. So we're very, very fortunate here in Southern California that we are able to work alongside with the staff of the Braille Institute. And they are the folks who do teach families 
how to implement this type of visual stimulation. So if you do know of anybody who has a child who has been given this diagnosis of neurological vision impairment or cortical vision impairment, please encourage them to listen to this podcast. Even if they have been given the diagnosis of cortical blindness, please encourage them to listen to this podcast. I have been in the field now for over 35 years, and there have been so many cases where the parents were told that their child is totally blind due to cortical blindness. And after we have evaluated the children, we found that they were not blind. And when we implemented the visual stimulation treatment program, their vision has improved. And these kids have grown up to become kids who play sports, baseball, soccer, basketball. They read, they write, and they love those video games too. So the first thing is, what is it that children with cortical vision impairment see? In other words, what is their vision like, and how does their vision differ from your vision? Now, within the visual system, we like to separate the different types of vision that children have into central vision and peripheral vision. Now, the central vision is the vision that we use that allows us to identify things. When you want to identify a person, you're going to look right at their face with the central part of your eye, and you're going to be able to identify that that person across from you is Tom Selleck. He's so handsome. Or it's Bruno Mars. I could identify who that person is. The central vision is what we use to identify people. And the way that we identify people is that we move our eyes so that our eyes are focused centrally on that person's face. That person's face focuses on the eyes, and that information is then focused onto the center of the occipital lobe of the brain. If you feel with your fingers on the very back of your head, you'll actually feel a bump right in the very center. And that is the central occipital lobe of the brain, which is the part that processes details. You're able to identify numbers and letters. You could see very small things when information is processed there. The central vision also gives us the ability to see colors. The central visual system also is very effective at seeing things that are not moving. So if you're looking at a book 
and the letters are on the page and they're not moving, the central occipital lobe of the brain is able to see those letters. It could see the colored letters and it sees it very easily if they're not moving. The central visual system also, it gives us the ability to be able to direct our hands to reach for objects. So if you're at a ball game and you happen to drop a piece of popcorn, you could move your eye, look at the popcorn, and you could direct your thumb and index finger and you could pick up that popcorn and throw it away very, very easily. These are all things that are related to the central vision. Now, the other part of vision is what we call the peripheral vision. And the peripheral vision is what allows us to see objects on either side of us or above us and below us. So you may notice that when you're driving and you're looking at the car in front of you, you're able to see cars on either side of you. Or you might even see the flashing lights that are on the upper visual field as you're coming through an intersection. That's because of your peripheral vision. The peripheral vision is also very effective at seeing things under high contrast. If you have things that are black and white, or if it's at nighttime and you're trying to see things, your peripheral vision is what's able to see at night. Number three, the peripheral visual system is also very sensitive to seeing things that are moving. Has there ever been a time that you're riding in the car and you're looking at the car in front of you? And somebody drives up alongside of you, and they're waving their hands at you to say hi. And it ends up being your next-door neighbor. Well, the reason you saw the moving hands is because the peripheral system is very effective at seeing motion like that. And this is why many times, if there is something coming at you that's dangerous... Maybe it's a car running a red light. Your peripheral vision could see that, and it could save your life. So basically, there are two different visual systems, and it is the central system and that peripheral system. Now, most of the time when we look at people, we can observe by watching their behavior whether or not they are using their central visual system. I know that when my daughter, our very first child was born, as soon as her head popped out, she opened her eyes and she looked right at me. I just couldn't believe it. I said, that's just got to be a coincidence. So I moved my head. And she moved her head and followed me. Immediately, I knew 
that she had central vision and she was able to see me and she was able to identify me. Now, when children have cortical vision impairment and neurological vision impairment, the central visual system is not functioning normally. So these kids do not usually have central vision. They don't have the central vision to be able to turn their eyes and to look at your face. When they look at your face, it's just a blob. It's a blob that's going to be equal to your skin tone. So they don't see your eyes clearly. And so they don't know that there's something there to look at. They don't have that detailed vision to be able to see your eyes. And as a result, they can't follow it. They also don't have the color vision. Because the central vision provides color vision. So if you're going to show them a colorful toy early on right after birth, they don't see it. All newborn children have very limited color vision at birth. And color vision is something that takes time to develop. We also find that the newborn child with cortical vision impairment, they do not have that ability to see things that are just stationary. If your face is just staring at him, he's not going to look at your face because it doesn't have any real significant interest. And it is a central visual system that allows a child to see things that are stationary. So as a result, a child who has suffered from cortical vision impairment or neurological vision impairment, they're not going to look right at your face. They're not going to look at perhaps these toys. They're not going to respond when you smile and you make faces at your child. And as a result, these children often appear as though they cannot see at all. They often appear very similar to children who have autism. They don't have an effect. They don't smile when you smile at them. But if you were to then do additional, additional exploration, and you now put toys or you put your face, or you put different colorful and high-contrast patterns and things in the child's peripheral vision, you will then suddenly get a response. It is so amazing that these kids, if you're using something such as a, a black and white drum, and you spin it in the child's peripheral vision, the child becomes very aroused and the child will turn 
his head towards that direction. And then they look away. And then if you move it in a different direction, they look at it in that direction. And then they look away. Or you might use a a beach ball. And when you start to twirl the beach ball, the child is able to perceive it. And they look at it for a brief second or two, and then they look away. The reason that they have these behaviors is because they have better peripheral vision than central vision. And the peripheral vision is able to see things that are moving. They love to see things that are changing. They like to see things that are going to be within that peripheral field. And what we also find is that for many children with cortical vision impairment and neurological vision impairment, they enjoy seeing certain color combinations as they get a bit older. They may really enjoy it if you have yellow and black patterns or if you have red and yellow patterns. And if you present these types of patterns in a way that you could move it. So I like to tell parents to go to the house of fabric and to get remnants. They will often give you scrap pieces of fabric. And these particular pieces of fabric that have high color, high contrast, you could then move it from one location to another. And you'll see how the child suddenly becomes excited and they laugh and they look. We then will even see the point where they then begin to reach for these toys and fabrics and objects that we move and we present to them. And this is something that's very, very important to encourage them to reach because many kids who have neurological cortical vision impairment, they do not reach for things. They are very, very delayed in using their hands to reach for things. And the reason for that is because it is the central vision that is connected to the hands and the fingers. If we look neurologically how the brain is wired, it is the central vision that is connected to the index finger. So if a child has reduced central vision, they don't have that type of stimulus to try to use that index finger. So the good news about this is that we can perform a functional vision assessment on these young children. We could then evaluate many, many aspects of their vision. And when we do this, we could then tell parents 
without any doubt whether their child is in fact totally blind or that their child does have vision. It's been my experience that 90%, 90% of the children who have neurological vision impairment, where they've suffered from the lack of oxygen or they've had a seizure early on, these kids are not blind. 90% of them are not blind. And it is typically only those children who have had extremely severe brain injury, where there may have been a brain hemorrhage, there may have been an accident involved, and it has damaged the brain severely, and those are the kids who, in fact, may be totally blind. But the good news for this is that we want parents who have been told that their child has neurological vision impairment or cortical vision impairment to know that it is absolutely possible to develop these children's vision. Now, how is it that we do that? How do we perform activities to develop the child's vision? Like we said, the first thing is for the child to be evaluated by an optometrist or an ophthalmologist that is trained in the field of low vision. The doctor will perform the functional vision assessment and tell you many, many different aspects of the child's vision and what the child is and is not able to see. Once we find out this battery of what the child is or is not able to see, we could then implement the stimulation program. It does not cost a lot of money. It does not involve the use of very, very expensive equipment. It is basically using proper lighting, the proper toys, and the proper technique to get the child to be able to use his or her vision. And what we usually find is that by performing these kind of activities at various times of the day, and even when you let the child just lay in the crib, we could present different types of visual patterns at a specific distance that will stimulate those visual regions of the brain. Now, what we know about brain development, we know that children have tremendous potential within the different regions of the brain. When we provide them with activities that are stimulating it helps these nerves, these neurons within the brain to make connections. And as we have connections developed, it stimulates the formation of other connections. And before long, we see the kids will develop higher and higher levels of vision. 
So during our functional vision assessment, we work very closely with the staff of Braille Institute and for many school districts, the teachers for the visually impaired will come and observe the examinations. And that is when the doctors will tell the teachers and their early intervention specialists what are the activities that should be performed. We will inform the parents how to perform these activities. What are the games to use? We may recommend that they purchase an iPad and use certain applications that are going to have colorful patterns and pictures. And this is what will stimulate their vision. We may recommend that they look at specific types of videos. We will use different types of toys, like I said, just as simple as colored balloons or a beach ball or other types of toys that we might make using a Quaker Oats container and painting it yellow and black or yellow and red. And then we will see these kids back usually once every three months and we could monitor their progress and we will then change the activities. And just as the reports that Dr. Christine Roman Lancy has published, we do find generally by three years of age, these kids have such a high amount of vision and that these kids are completely different than what we thought that they were before. So all in all, this is the beginning of how we could help the kids who have been diagnosed with cortical vision impairment, neurological vision impairment, and even kids who have been diagnosed mistakenly as having cortical blindness. We know that by spreading the word about this and teaching others how to perform the visual stimulation, we're going to find that there are many, many more children who are using their vision very effectively. Now, next month, we will be talking about other types of visual stimulation techniques and activities that can be performed to help some of the kids who may have a crossed eye or maybe they have a misaligned eye or maybe they're a child who just has not learned yet how to use his or her central vision. We will also talk about the use of specialized low vision glasses to activate and to stimulate those visual centers of the brain. So we thank you for joining in. And at this time, uh, do any of you have any questions out there? Hi, Dr. Bill. This is Patty. Hi, Patty. Yes, I have one question. Um, when we talk about children and neurological vision impairment and um, how it begins developing, do you notice that children that, you know, have had some type of brain trauma that are a little bit older, like maybe four or five, 
and then then lose their vision, do you see that they can also regain some of their vision back? Do you see the oh, same that, success as children from, you know, that maybe are younger or newborns yes. with neurological? That is a very, very good question. I'm glad that you brought that up. And the answer to that is yes. A child who has suffered from brain injury at any age has the potential of developing higher levels of vision. If a child suffers that type of brain injury at an age after three years of age, let's say that the child is riding his bicycle and it doesn't have a helmet on and he's five years old, he hits his head on the concrete and the child loses vision. The chances of this child regaining vision, it's actually very, very good because during the first three years of life, those brain cells, they did develop and that brain did learn how to see. So that is a very, very good sign that if the child had normal vision during the first three years of life. If a child suffers from a head injury, say the same type of a head injury, but the child is only one month old, the prognosis of the child developing the same amount of vision as a child who had a normal vision during the first years of life, it is not as good, but it is still capable of improving. And I had a very, very, gosh, a, a wonderful young patient, this young boy. He lost his vision in a car accident. He was eight years old. And when he got to us, he really didn't show any signs of vision. And we did these types of visual stimulation activities. And the mom and dad were really dedicated, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried. And one year, it took one year, but after one year, he then started to develop vision. And then within the next six months, all of the visual skills just started to come back right away. So it does show that this type of visual stimulation can work for people who have had vision, and it could also help for people who have not had vision, and we just need to work with them. Did that answer your question, Patty? Yes, it did. Thank you, Dr. Bell. Great. Thank you so much. Are there any other questions out there? Okay. Well, I'd like to acknowledge and thank Mr. Dick Burden from Airs LA for recording this. We'd like to thank the Braille Institute. And we will have this up at the Airs LA webpage within a week from today. So, again, I want to thank all of you for joining us this evening, and we will see you all next month. Good night, everybody.